Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciples Dialogue. So glad to have you here with us again. I have a very special guest with me joining me today on the Disciples Dialogue. Uh, today, uh, I'm so incredibly honored to have with me uh, the host of the True North Nation podcast. He is also the lead pastor of Solid Rock Church in Irving, Texas, and also the author of Control the Beast, A Guide to Managing your emotions. Pastor Ed Snyder, welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you today and uh, excited about what we're going to talk about. Praise God. So anyone who doesn't know Pastor Snyder, um, let me start by saying you need to follow this man. You need to follow uh, him on Twitter or Facebook or whatever outlet you can. You need to Um, subscribe to the content that is being produced there uh, through his podcast, True North Nation. I have been blessed by uh, your podcast. Uh, And to all the listeners, this is where uh, I first got to know you or know of you. Um, I just happened upon True North Nation. I gave it a listen, and I was hooked. Hook, line, and sinker. And I I, I just kept going back and listening to episode after episode. And I said, just told myself one day I would love the opportunity to meet uh, and, and speak with this individual. And so you're here. Well, I'm honored. Thank you very much, uh, Brother Teal, and appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so it started out for me with the with the podcast. Um, there again, I was hooked. I was listening, loving every all the content, um, especially the series that you did from Playboy to Pastor's Wife. I, I My wife and I listened to all those and enjoyed that. Uh, and then I found out that you were the author of this book, Control the Beast. And so um, as you and I were talking prior to hitting record here, um, I bought the book just simply to learn more about um, Thank you, Pastor Snyder. I bought the book just to, I wanted to know more about him. I was like, okay, well, he wrote a book. I'm going to read it. So I read the book and through the process of reading this book, it dawned on me that I was learning things that were helping me and I didn't know I needed help. I had no idea that some of these things that I dealt with in my childhood before I received the Holy ghost were still things that needed to remain in check. And, and I think that, um, through reading your book, um, I, 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 the light was shone on that again, uh, to teach me, and it says it on the cover here, it is a guide to managing your emotion. I just felt like, okay, well, I got the Holy ghost. So now my emotions are, are perfect. And, 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 but that's really not the case, is it? No, unfortunately it's not. God is a miracle worker. God can do anything. Yes. But there's a verse in the Bible that kind of trips us up sometimes. And that the Bible, the Bible says faith without works is dead. You know, God can do anything through our faith, but sometimes he requires work. In fact, most of the time it's required work to make our faith be powerful. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so 
let me start off by by saying to all the millions of listeners of the Disciples Dialogue, uh, and there's obviously not millions, but to anyone who listens, I will tell you. Uh, faith, I, I, brother. Faith. Faith, yes. Faith. faith. Uh, I will tell you, I, I challenge anyone, go get the book. Um, he's not paid me. He's not asked me to say anything about this book, but I am telling you, uh, go get the book. Control the Beast is a must-have. Uh, I will read it more than one time. And there are principles li- outlined in this book that will help uh, help you manage your emotions and and keep things in check, and it will help your marriage. I think it'll help. Uh, it helps me on my job. It helps me in many aspects of my life. And so, uh, go get the book. I'd say that at the outset. Go get the book. Thank you, brother Teal. Yes. Okay. So I have this opportunity to to sit down and talk with you, and of course, I want to talk about some of the things that I read in the book. I want to. Uh, I would I would like you to expound a little bit more on some of these things that I that really just jumped off the pages to me, and I feel sure. like, uh, especially the listeners um, that I am aware of that I know um, subscribe to the Disciples Dialogue could most definitely be blessed by by hearing your uh, your take on this. So the the book is Control the Beast: A Guide to Managing Your Emotions, and of course, it does not say getting rid of your emotions. So right. this book is not geared toward finding some magical, mystical way mm-hmm. of uh, expelling yourself from emotion. It is to right. learn to manage them. Could you exactly. talk a little bit about that process of managing emotions in generally? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Of course, that, um, you know, in the book we talked about, before you manage something, you've got to understand it. So we actually start out with chapter one, the power of understanding. The Bible says, get understanding. You know, um, we have to seek it out. We have to pursue it. And so when we understand the why, the what, the how come, you know, it helps us deal with people. It helps us deal with ourselves. Uh, you know, anymore when I'm in, when I'm talking to somebody, uh, here at our church in in staff, uh, they're trying to explain something or whatever. I said, now help me understand in counseling. I use the same question help me understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I want them to get deeper into explaining themselves, whether it's a ministry, uh, an event that they're trying to do, what are they trying to accomplish? Or it's a counseling situation. I need to understand the, what, the, why, the, how come the, wherefore, or where, where it's coming from or background, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, I, uh, you know, my family is, I love my family and, uh, I don't have any, any major issues with my family at all, but, when you look at my family, it's, you know, God's got a sense of humor. My dad was born stone deaf. Uh, my mother uh, became legally blind and they fell in love, got married in 1950. Uh, dad had anger issues. My grandfather, uh, his father was a violent drunk, uh, beat the fire out of my grandmother, little, literally drug her across the floor by the hair of her head. Mm. My father got, my mother won my father when he was 27 years old. Uh, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. If it wasn't for that, he would probably be the same thing that his father was mm-hmm. uh, because this stuff can be hereditary and environmental. Yes. Um, so, you know, instead, and so, and being deaf and, and a third grade education, my father was frustrated like 90% of the time right? because he couldn't hear. He didn't, you know, his education limited him. Uh, he worked two jobs all my life. 
And in the wintertime, he'd pick up job three and sometimes four so he can give my sister and I a good, a good Christmas. Wow. Um, and so hard worker, you know, provided we always had a, a roof over our head and food on our table, clothes on our back, you know, all of our basic needs was met mm-hmm. and all of that. However, growing up, I had to understand my dad or we were going to have problems, especially in my teenage years and all that, because I started developing anger issue because I was the fat kid at school, always made fun of, bullied, picked on, and uh, it was it was crazy. And so to get the power of understanding how to manage your emotions is first you got to understand them. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is you have to understand how they work. So we talk about the biology of emotions, the chemical reactions right. of emotions, what happens when you get angry, what are the signs mm-hmm. When our temper starts going up, learn how to identify those. Uh, and then the mechanics of emotions, how they work, uh, what happens if you don't get them managed, and of course, how to get that under control and what to do. Triggers is another thing that we talk about in the book is learning to identify what is the triggers in your life that's mm-hmm. causing the f- constant frustration or the constant stress, which elevates. So here's some understanding. Uh, Anger anger is always a secondary emotion. Mm -hmm. There's always a primary, whether that is the big kahuna called frustration or stress or loneliness, maybe depression, you know, things, there's always an, you know, a primary emotion in play that if it's not taken care of, resolved, uh, then it escalates to anger. Mm-hmm. If anger's not taken care of, then it escalates to rage. Now we're throwing things, we're punching people, all of that. And then we have blind rage, which is a very nasty sta- uh, state. I, I, I had a fellow that uh, years ago that was in one of my classes that was court-ordered to me that literally did $5,000 worth of damage to his mother's kitchen in a fit of blind rage. Wow. When he came down, you know, they said, you did that. He, and he vehemently denied it. Wow. I did not do that. I would never do that to my mother's kitchen. Well, he did, but he didn't, he don't have any kind of memory of it because that's why they call it blind rage. Mm. So that's some of the things that we have to understand when we look at this of how it works and, and the chemical reactions that we have within our bodies when it starts kicking in and the levels primary versus, uh, anger then to rage. Mm -hmm. Another thing to understand and and help us manage our emotions is to also grasp hold of the fact that you, all of us have stress. Yes. Every day we have, there's, there's normal stress. Mm -hmm. There's normal frustrations. The problem comes is when uh, normal becomes abnormal. You know, in the morning uh, here in Dallas, you know, you're going to hit traffic going somewhere at certain times of the day, and that causes uh, frustration. Uh, I don't know about about any place else in the country, but I am quite positive that they canceled driver's education in public schools eons ago because nobody knows how to drive right And, you know, cut you off and, you know, it's just crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, And so that's normal, though. 
you know, getting to work. And then, and then once we get to our work, you know, we have deadlines, we have, you know, IGMOs. I don't know if you know what an IGMO is. Uh, that's kind of a term that I've adapted years ago. An IGMO is an ignorant moron. IGMO. <laughs> I've not heard and, that one. <laughs> so you've got IGMOs that you have to deal with every day and all of that. That's again, that's, that's a normal thing yeah. because you know, there's always, uh, there, there's always going to be a George in your life. You know, I had a fella, uh, when I, in one of my first jobs, when I was like 19 years old, his name was George, and he always just contrary caused trouble. He happened to be the shop manager where I worked and just made life miserable. There was no changing him. There was no nothing. It was just, and I realized then there's always going to be a George in your life. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be that contrary person that's going to be the source of your aggravation. So that's kind of a little bit of a, of a nutshell of understanding and then understand the mechanics, the biology, how the emotions work so that we can learn how to manage them or control them. Right. We're never going to get rid of emotions. Right. It's a part of our, our psychic. It's a part of our mental makeup, mm -hmm. just like love and joy uh, and happiness, anger, frustration, stress is a part of it. It's, it's not going to go away. Right. And so, and I was going to bring that up, but you already quoted it, that anger, uh, anger is a secondary emotion and there's always right. a first or primary emotion. And I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, I did want to go here because this is something that I deal with uh, personally, and I don't mind to share this with people, uh, that my go-to response is to shut down, right? That's, and, and maybe a lot of people, um, but that's my go-to response. And I feel like that is a, safe alternative to the rage that you talk about in the book. I feel like I'm protecting people if I just shut down and rather than letting it get to that place. But is that healthy? Is that the, the right thing to do? Mm, not really. Okay. You're the silent type. Yes. So when you get angry, you shut down. Yes. You don't say nothing. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're, 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 locking down the the uh, pressure cooker it, that anger that stress that frustration has to be vented mm -hmm. it just has to be vented the correct way mm. it's not what you say it's how you say it that makes all the difference in the world mm -hmm. so when when people like yourself gets angry and they shut down they don't vent it they don't express themselves. They don't get it off their chest, quote unquote. And so they just lock it away. And then what happens, and I don't know if you've experienced this, uh, but a lot of times what happens is they just keep that internal. And then somebody says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing. And all of it comes out at one time. And it's, it's, it's rough. Yeah. It's very rough. Yes. So, it's always best instead of getting, I mean, it's okay to be silent because again, in the book and, and, uh, we may cover this in a minute, but do something to get yourself back down, mm -hmm. like take a walk, breathe deep, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever works for you mm -hmm. at the moment. Right. You know, before we started, uh, recording this interview, I told you that, you know, when I was at our headquarters, you know, that's a very stressful place. Mm -hmm. And I, I took a lot of walks. Yeah. 
you know, a midday walks, got out, got some fresh air, yeah. absorbed some sunshine. And in the book, I talk about intellectualizing the situation. In other words, think it through before you come back and, and address it. Right. It's okay to shut down, but what are you doing while you're shut down? Are you, in, are you intellectualizing the situation? Are you going, taking a walk, take a breather, think it through, uh, let's figure out a way that we can get the get a resolve to the situation that's mm-hmm. got you upset originally, or are you doing nothing about it and just going on about life every day and not dealing with that with that anger? Yeah, I think um, in my experience, and of course the Holy Ghost helps, right? It, oh, absolutely, having the Spirit of of the Lord inside it obviously helps it keeps a lot of things in check but there again the emotion doesn't go away and so I found uh after having received the Holy Ghost I've found that um when I tend to shut down um even prior to reading your book I would find myself going on walks and separating myself causing you know creating separation from people and there again, I feel like it's a safeguard to if, if there's a distance between myself and people that I could potentially uh, blow up on, then I feel like that's good until I can at least gather my, gather my thoughts and stop seeing red. Um, and so uh, with that being the case, though, um, learning to how to vent, and it's not easy, you know, for somebody who deals with and has dealt with my whole life with anger. And of course, you, sure. I know that you know this, but um, it's hard to find a way to vent that is, you know, that, that's easy. It's not easy for me to vent because uh, I'm the last thing I want to do is talk about it. Right. When I get mad, sure. the very last thing I want to do is talk about it. Now, my wife is a is a communicator. She wants to she can solve any problem just by talking about it. I, on the other hand, I'm I feel like I'm solving the problem by not talking about it. But there again, I think, you know, without that proper way of venting like you talk about um, and I've I've had to learn to force myself to open up and become vulnerable and to let people in, even when I'm at that point of boiling over, you know, people that I trust, people that I know have my best interest at heart. Um, and that's a way of, of venting. And it may be different for everybody how they vent. Exactly. Uh, again, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm. You can say the same thing with a different attitude behind it and it comes across. But if you say it, you know, uh, condescending, mm-hmm. uh, critical, mm-hmm. you know, um, with that, you know, tone in your voice that, you know, you're an idiot mm. and I can't stand you, you know, that kind of thing, it's not going to come across. But if you come across with some love, mm-hmm understandings. Okay. So this happened and you know, this is the situation. Mm -hmm. How are we going to fix this? Right. How are we going to meet the deadline? You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And I feel like, of course, again, getting deeper into the book. Um, when we, when we talk about things, we, it's very important. Two things are very important. Number one, not get into the blame game. You know, well, if you wouldn't have done this, or if you wouldn't have said that, mm-hmm. that's only going to put gas on the fire. And two, it's important for us to accept our part of yeah. the responsibility, not theirs. Mm-hmm. We can't help the Igmo screaming and being stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, I, I don't do stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
uh, as they always say, you can't fix stupid. Right. But, um, but we, we all have to deal with stupid That's every true. day of our lives. Very true. Yeah. Cause there, there's people that are infected, but anyway, uh, that doesn't mean that you have to accept the responsibility of that person yelling and screaming, mm-hmm. but how you responded to it, mm-hmm. that's your part. Right. And when we accept a responsibility for our part. It helps us learn to do better the next time. Mm. Yeah. That was one of the things as, as before we started uh, recording, you know, I was telling you a little bit about my story and how we started 42 years ago. Mm-hmm where anger management classes was non-existent, not even in the universe, and very few, if any, books in print about how to handle anger back in those days. And my wife and I started together trial and error. Mm -hmm. You know, just when I get angry, okay, what caused that? And what could you have done different? Mm -hmm. And, you know, thing trying to figure it out. And then when the next time I would get angry, then I would remember what we talked about and try to practice those things. Mm-hmm. It was trial and error. And then again, when, like I told you uh, again, before we started the interview, when books did come out, man, I absorbed them. Yes. And uh, come to find out we were, you know, a lot of times we were hitting the mark. Wow. Wow. That's, this is really key. I feel like, and if we can, as a society, if we can get a hold of this uh, and learn to manage our emotions, Oh, yeah. then I think that the world would be a better place. Because this is a very place. angry generation that we live in right now. It's a very angry time. People are on edge and very short fuses everywhere you turn. Um, oh, yeah. And so um, I've, I've found this to not only benefit myself and my family, but maybe even those around me. Maybe it's not even myself and my emotions that I'm concerned about. But if I don't, uh, control my personal emotions, I might trigger someone else's that are not being managed. And so uh, I think that these principles there again can be far reaching in, in helping, uh, you know, at work. Um, I've recently been promoted at work and, and thankful for the promotion, but with that promotion comes, thank you. With the promotion comes a lot of responsibility. So now I've got, uh, you know, other supervisors and other managers that are, uh, that I have to work with closely and we've got meetings Well, these meetings will quickly get out of hand. If there's not a, um, if there's been no managing of my emotions before I walk into it. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I need to make sure that I walk in understanding that, Hey, most of these people are walking in with bad attitudes cause it's Monday and they've had a Monday. Uh, and, and so I, I I've taken these principles and being, being apostolic, being Holy Ghost filled, and yes, I think that they were, they're very beneficial in the church uh, and for the church. But I think that even in the secular world, uh, these these things are uh, have such a dynamic uh, something about them that where they can reach into. I can take them on my job with me. I can take them, you know, when I come home, walk through the door, how I talk to my kids, how I, how I respond to my wife, all these things. It affects me in so many areas, and that's why I really. Um, I really appreciate the book and it's um, there again. I can't, I really just can't say enough about it, but uh, you said something else uh, in later in the book, I think chapter three, you, you said, and I quote, sometimes through our emotions, we don't even need to say a word. We can speak volumes with only a display of our emotions. Mm-hmm. And that, that really jumped off the page at me. Could you expound a little bit more on that? Well, um, 
you know, when emotions play a huge part of our lives, uh, and when you learn to read people, they speak volumes without even opening their mouth. Mm. Um, you know, they, uh, a facial expression, mm-hmm. a clenched fist, uh, a quick move. Yes. You know, just th- those are all signs that they're either upset or they're angry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, stepping off of a curb and, and, and aggressively going towards somebody. Uh, unless it's an emergency, you know, Mm -hmm. that person's fainted or something, but it's like, okay, that, that can't be good. Mm -hmm. So emotions, but in other words, body language, Mm -hmm. body language speaks volumes without even open our mouth. You can look at somebody and notice if they're happy, um, or sad. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about that. We talk about in the book that emotions are universal. Mm. It doesn't matter if you're in Asia, if you're in uh, Madagascar, if you're in Africa, Russia, or wherever. Emotions are the same right? across the board. Uh, and, and we all speak the same language when it comes to our emotions. Now, there is, we talk about this in the book, there are different levels of emotions, but the emotion is still the same. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a myth out there that, if somebody is not yelling and screaming, you know, cussing or whatever, they're not really mad or they're not angry. Not so. Mm. Not so. They may be, one person may be firing on three or four, maybe even five emotions at the same time where others are only firing on two. But they're still feeling right. anger. Right. They're still feeling frustration, stress, whatever the case may be. Um you know, that's when we get into, you know, the mental health of bipolar. Bipolar people have extreme highs and extreme lows. Mm-hmm. They're firing on a lot of emotions or they're firing on very little emotions. But the emotion is still there right. and still in operation. Nobody is without emotions. Right, right. And, you know, I think uh, when I was reading your book, I was reminded of Job, you know, in the scriptures. We, I think, we see this unfolding in the life of Job as he sat still in complete silence for seven days before breaking his silence to his friends, so-called friends who came and uh, was mourning this time when, when he was going through what he was going through. But I just think it's unique that he, he sat there for seven days in complete silence, you know, yeah. and I, I can only imagine that his posture said everything that they needed to know in that moment. He, Absolutely, he was not standing. Yeah. I can't imagine that he was standing upright with his chin held in the air. I think that body language, like you said, uh, was very evident of how he was feeling in that moment. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. And, and so, when I, I I want to apply this to my life, when I walk into a room, not to be so self centered and so selfish that I'm only thinking about me, but I observe posture. Uh, I right. observe how people look and and how what their demeanor is, even if they're not saying a word. What's the posture? What, how did they walk into the room? Mm-hmm. Because I, there again, it's, if you're looking, it's not very hard to see when someone is, is hurting, when someone is sad, or um, they, you said it, uh, it's very universal. And so people's body language will often be a telltale sign of how they're feeling. Um, and so there again, I, I take that. I can walk into the house um, after being gone all day to work, I walk into the house and I can look at my wife in the first 10 seconds. I can tell if something's wrong 
and 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 having not said a word. Why? Because it's the it's the body language, it's the posture, it's how she is standing, how she's looking at me. Uh, did she look at me? Maybe she's mad at me because I didn't fold the laundry or something, and so I didn't do yeah. the dishes. Do I go back out the door? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I go so find something to do in the garage. <laughs> yeah, so read. There's there's a benefit, uh, especially to to me as a man, to read the body language and know oh, if you boy. need to run. Better believe it. Yes. You also said, uh, jump a little bit further down into the book, chapter five, that we must uh, form a plan, a set of techniques to govern or manage our inner barbarian. And I love the way that you put that. There's an inner barbarian inside of us. That's right. That's right. And and so uh, I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on the set of techniques to govern or manage that? What would be some that come to mind? Well, uh, of course, the old saying, practice makes perfect. Mm. Where, you know, one thing that, that everybody in your audience needs to understand that when we deal with stuff like this, you're not going to get it right the first time. Mm. Um, you can read the book, Control the Beast, and learn it and highlight it and underline it. You're not, you're not going to get it right the first time right. because we're human. And we have emotions and emotions run wild. And there's, you know, there's a barbarian locked up inside of us, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that wants to get out and, and wreak havoc. And that's where we've got to keep him uh, under control. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to set up a plan, uh, a strategy on how, what makes us feel better. And of course, Brother Teal, you've, you've touched on it several times, rightfully so. And that is prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a daily prayer life yes, uh, to keep our spirit under control, uh, under the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, submissive, be teachable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't, you know, if I had, if I had $20 over the years for every person that walked in my office and said, I don't need an anger management class. They're making me come. I can build you and I both a house and pay <laughs> cash for it. Yeah. Um, because nobody thinks they've got an anger issue, Mm -hmm. but you know, on into lesson three, here they come, you know, uh, I've been thinking and hearing what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think I do have an anger issue. Yeah. Uh, Well, you wouldn't be here if you didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. So, um, and then taking, you know, of course it depends on the individual, Mm -hmm. what, what we like to do, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was with Brother Kenneth Haney for several years as his associate pastor, and um, he loved racquetball. And man, three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he was in the racquetball court for like two, three hours at a time and just pounding it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that helped him de-stress. He took a four-mile walk every evening. Oh, wow. Even when he was traveling, he still did did either a treadmill mm-hmm. or outside walking because he understood that that physical exercise is going to help him keep his stress level under control. Right. I love riding a bike. Uh, I, I love cycling. So I, every chance I get, I just get out and ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time uh, I came in the door and I was tighter than a tick and my wife got in my face and said, get your gear on, go get on your bike and go ride mm. 36 miles later i stopped wow uh just pounding out the frustrations and the stress of the day and then you know took a water break and rode 36 mi- uh 36 miles back and felt like a, a a brand new band wow 
So I don't, I do not want to negate the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to negate the power of the word of God. But again, we're, we're made up of a lot of different components. So that strategy, that plan to keep the inner barbaric under control needs to be more than just prayer and more than just Bible reading. It needs, it needs conversations. It needs uh, physical something physical mm-hmm. like cycling, racquetball, you know, walks, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to help us get our body feeling better because the two are intertwined like it or not. Yes. Uh, and so the physical is, is tied to the mental and both are tied to the spiritual. Mm, that's really good. Very important. Um, I'm, I'm not for one for physical exercise. Uh, I believe uh, one of my favorite scriptures, it, it profiteth little. Uh, and so I really take that scripture to heart. I don't like to exercise, but I, I do think that it, it is de- directly tied to um, our emotional state. And and uh, I probably should walk more than I do. I should probably uh, take the stairs more than I take the elevator, right? Try to try to. Brother Haney never got on an elevator. Really? Walk the stairs. Wow. That's it. Now, I don't know. I, I, I never seen him. I, I know. Yeah, I did see him. At General Conference, you know, the hotels are, you know, whatever, 100 floor, four floors high. Mm-hmm. I did see him go to the stairwell at, at, at conference one time. I don't know if he took several floors and then got off. Yeah. But everyday life, when I was with him in Stockton, never, ever did he take an elevator. Wow. He always took the stairs. That's Again, very- just climbing more exercise. Wow. Very interesting. Um, you, you talked about the importance of having a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask how important is it that that plan adapt as we grow? Adapt or maybe evolve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it should, it needs to, the older we get, um, the more difficult it is because we get tired, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm so, I'm so done with this, but we can't, we can't take that attitude because that's given up Mm -hmm. and you know, then you're going to die pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does need to evolve Mm -hmm. and some things were, you know, we think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try racquetball, but it doesn't, eh, yeah. We're not good at it, and it ends up frustrating us more than it does helping us. So, okay, so we need to forget racquetball, and let's try something else. Like, I, um, uh, my nephew, one of my nephews is is huge into jogging. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I went through a journey where I lost 100. I used to be almost 400 pounds, wow. and I've dropped, I dropped 160. And in my in that journey, my nephew's like Ed. You got to get out and get some jogging in. That'll really burn the calories. Well, my knees are shot, and uh, so I'd come home and put ice packs on my knees so I can walk the next day. Wow! It just wasn't working. Hmm. And then I remembered when I was a boy, I loved to ride a bike, and so I bought an old mountain bike on Craigslist and started pedaling. Mm-hmm. And then got a better bike and now I'm into it. That works. It evolved in from jogging gotcha. to riding a bike. Um, you know, there may be, uh, uh, favorite spots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coffee houses or, uh, uh, patios, sitting places, someplace where you can go be alone, 
uh, if you like nature, you know, the outside, it really does need to evolve. And, and the more, the reason for that is because we learn ourselves, mm-hmm. we learn more about ourselves when we start doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's very good. Very good. In chapter 10, you said healthy relationships foster positive emotions. This, yes. this is, uh, there again, paramount to me as a reader, um, a subscriber to this way of thinking now that healthy relationships foster positive emotions. And I have found that to be true looking back over my life and every aspect of my life from the relationships that I had with my mother, my father, my teachers at school, now my wife, my kids. This is, could you explain a little bit more about this? Because that it impacted me so much just to read that. And it just caused me to go back over the last 30 years of my life and, and look back and say, wow, that is how true has that been for me that healthy relationships foster positive emotions. And I guess the same could be said for unhealthy relationships, how they would foster negative emotion. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, that, uh, ties into the, to what we got in the book, the, the, uh, nine levels of relationships, we have to have healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Healthy relationships is what helps us become better people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, friend friendship is a two way two way street, not a one way road. Uh, if you're constantly giving to this person, giving, 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 and getting nothing in return, that's not a friendship. Mm-hmm. You're being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. You're being drained yeah. every time that person comes around, um, and so that's not healthy. But a friendship is when you can sit down and talk to this person and gain something as well as give something. Yeah, yeah. It makes you better by having that friendship. Now, let's the the nine levels of relationship is extremely important, uh, or having healthy relationships uh, in our success in managing our emotions and becoming a better person. Because too often we don't understand what level of relationship we are at with a said person. Mm -hmm. So again, in the nine levels, I start out with level one and that's your relationship with God. That has to be a healthy relationship. Yes. And God is there. Nothing wrong with God. God's not going to change. You're changing and you've got to do what he needs you to do. Then the second level of relationship is your significant other, your spouse. Uh, and that relationship has to be healthy because you live with that person mm-hmm. every day. And so, um, uh, and it's a valuable relationship when you have a healthy relationship with your spouse. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I has been married now. We just celebrated October 4th, 42 years. Uh, congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's, I always tease and say she's a very blessed woman, <laughs> but I'm blessed. Yeah. Uh, she's Irish. I'm German. God's got a sense of humor. Yes, he does. You know, she's, she's Irish. She got that Irish blood, you know, she's, you know, she early on, she goes, stop doing that anger management stuff with me. And I'm like, well, girl, you need it. You're Irish. (laughs) (laughs) And then Germans are stubborn and hard headed. Right. And so, you know, it, it makes it quite interesting, but she's able, she knows everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly. She knows my weaknesses as well as my strengths. Mm-hmm. She don't criticize me. She don't look down on me because she knows my weaknesses. Uh, it's a very healthy relationship. I trust her with everything in me. Wow. Um, 
And then from there, we, we talk about best friends. We talk about good friends. We talk about associates. We talk about work relationships. Mm-hmm. That's another area that's very important uh, in the fact that we have we can have a good friend at work, mm-hmm. but then we have, you know, shall I term, use the term cutthroats, mm. the political people. Yeah. Um, they're in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the book, I talk about they need to be put in the category of a working relationship. You don't, you, you don't like them and you really can't stand them. Mm. But if you cross them, it's going to cause a problem right. on your job. Mm-hmm. It might interrupt your income. So when you walk in the building and you're on the job, you're professional, you're courteous. How are you doing? Good morning. You know, da, 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 da. Nice day today. Mm -hmm. You talk business. When you leave the building, they stay there. You don't go to lunch with them. You don't do dinner with them. You don't go to whatever with them. Uh, because that is a working relationship and that relationship has to stay right there. Right. Cause if, if you try to mix it, make them a good friend, you're going to get hurt. Mm. And then of course there's, there's those people that you love them enough to get to heaven. You know, you just can't, can't deal with it. Just, they're just, they're igmos or, yeah. or they're, they're diseased with stupid. Mm. You know, you just you can't do it. But I can't hate them because that's going to cost me my my eternal life in heaven with God. Now, here's level nine is the real in in the book is the real kicker: mm-hmm. toxic relationships. Yeah, and that is where any you know anything that is toxic, if you touch it, you mess with it, you get poisoned. Mm. Uh, in the book, I, t- I tell about, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and, and there was a little Missouri town that had, uh, the main employer was a factory, and uh, it was kind of in the middle of the town. And they noticed that people, a lot of people were getting sick. And so they started investigating. Too many people are getting sick with the same thing. Come to find out there was a, uh, a, a chemical, poisonous chemical leak below the factory, wow. leaking into the soil, getting into the water table, mm-hmm. and poisoning the town. Feds came in and literally relocated most of the town. And uh, they had to come in, tear the factory down, tear the houses down in the infected area, scrape the the toxic dirt out, haul it out, replace it with fresh dirt, rebuilt the factory, rebuilt the houses, and move the people back in. Wow. That is the only way that they can save that business and those people's livelihood by take the taking what is toxic mm-hmm. and contain it, seal it and haul it out. Wow. Uh, too many times we try to take a toxic relationship and put it in a good friend relationship. Mm-hmm. And here's the tough one. We take a toxic relationship and try to keep it in a marriage. Mm. Now, as a pastor, that's sticky. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we don't condone divorce um and uh, under unless it's a biblical biblical reason. Mm. However, every time or a family a family relationship is toxic. Every time you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you walk out hurt. Mm. What good is that? And so, now when you have a toxic relationship, 
it doesn't mean it's condemned to death forever. Mm -hmm. It can be cleaned. The poison, the toxins can be taken out. Right. And everything's fine. So the the important part that I want to stress here today in the interview, as well as in our book, is the fact that you have to learn to identify mm -hmm. what is a healthy relationship and what is a toxic relationship. Yeah. You may have a good friend, but they violated your trust, mm -hmm. and now they're an acquaintance. Wow. You don't want to throw that away, but you don't trust them. Mm -hmm. They did something pretty mean to you or broke your trust, uh, or it could fall to a toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. The toxic relationship, if that person is willing, that toxin can be cleaned, that offense, hurt can be healed and over a period of time, maybe you can learn to trust them again, and it can go up. Wow. So we have to understand that relationships move up and down the spectrum depending on events and what happens. But where we really mess ourselves up is, is we try to keep relationships where they don't belong. Wow. That's why it's so important to have healthy relationships. Number one, so we know what they are. We identify what a healthy relationship is. Mm -hmm. Then if somebody new comes into our life and they're a great person and all this stuff, but all of a sudden now, hey, can I borrow $20? You know, okay. And and you never get your 20 back. Right. And they want to buy, you know, they want to borrow $10 or, hey, can you give me a lift? Mm -hmm. and, and you're always going into the giving, 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 but you're not getting anything in return. Right. Especially your money back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, again, healthy relationships is vital for our own mental health, mm -hmm. spiritual health, um, and really physical health because yeah. a toxic relationship can do damage to you physically. Wow. That is, that is so good. And if, I think if we can get a hold of that, if we can understand that principle and those nine uh, that you had mentioned, uh, we'll be all the better for it. Um, in my last question I want to ask you today, Brother Snyder, can someone change their emotional state if they're unable to change their surroundings? And for an example, uh, a child in an abusive home um, or something like that, if, if their surrounding is toxic, what's the process look like for somebody in that environment to change their emotional state or to work on it, to manage it? Yeah. Yeah. Whew. That's tricky. Yeah. Uh, in the book, we talk about cleaning up your environment, mm. identifying triggers, mm -hmm. and cleaning up your environment. So what's in your environment causing the problem? Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned one example about like a child in an abusive situation. That's extremely difficult because it's a child, mm. and they don't have many options. Right. Uh, they do have some uh, if they can get, you know, if they can take advantage of those options. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to an adult then you have choice. Yes. You have power of choice. And so you can choose like, okay, I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm. I'm not staying in this uh, because I d identify uh, abuse or identify, or we have the power of choice to fix it or try to get it resolved and go from there. So the question, if, if let me make sure I'm following you. The question is, can someone change their emotional state. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about their personal emotions? Right. Okay. 
So how they respond to things, Mm -hmm. yes, I did it. Yeah. You know, I used to put my fist through walls instead of talk about situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I have, I have, I have busted windows and put my fist through walls, uh, more times than I count. Mm -hmm. Um, I've one kid kept terrorizing me and I finally told him, I said, you need to shut up or it's not going to end well for you. Mm. And, uh, finally he got up like right next to my ear behind me and started yakking and making fun of me. And I roundhouse him and knocked, literally knocked his two front teeth out. Oh my. Another kid, I broke his nose. Now I'm not proud of that. Right. I am not proud of that. In fact, that just, even to this day, when I say it, it kind of brings shame to my heart. Because that was not the way to handle that. Mm-hmm. However, that was my emotional state then. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, I just pray God kill you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm joking. But now I handle things like that totally different. Right. Because I realize now it's not me. It's them. Mm-hmm. They've got the problem. Mm-hmm. Not me. Right. Either they're jealous about something or they're insecure about something mm-hmm. because I've learned me. I, I now understand Ed Snyder. Mm-hmm. I know what my talents are, my giftings are. I know my relationship with God, with my family, and I'm, I'm solid. I'm secure in mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that place, then your emotional state has completely changed. Yeah. Mine has. Uh, now, this is not a, ma- uh, a waving of the magic wand. This mm-hmm. doesn't happen in a day or two or a week or two. This is this is a, an ongoing, evolving process right. that we have to go through. But yeah. you can get there. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing that I really wanted you to highlight, and, and you did um, very well, is because I grew up in a very toxic environment. You grew up in a very toxic environment. Um I saw abuse, uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse. I, I've, I've witnessed a lot of things. And a lot of people who are in the middle of that kind of environment don't see a way out. They don't, you know, they could even read your book in the middle of, of their hell uh, to them and mm-hmm. say, well, there's there's no way I can begin to, uh, to manage what I feel. Um, you're asking me to go on a walk. Well, I've got bigger fish to fry, you know, I, and so, but it can, I, I'm a living testimony. You are a living testimony that you, sure. you can come out of it, but I think that yes. there has to be a, in my opinion, of course, I'm not the expert here, but in my opinion, in my experience, you have to be very resilient. I think that you have to have a, regardless of what, my predecessors did, regardless of what my father did, regardless of what my, my neighbors are doing, I can Mm -hmm. change. Now I I come from a a family of people who have failed at life. I've got brothers who um, are in and out of prison, have been their whole life. Um, And I, you know, of course my, my relationship with my dad was broken for many years over, over Mm -hmm. a decade um, of my life. And it was very toxic, but, through when God speaks to you, when God opens that door and it it may be 
it may be that somebody happens upon this book who, who doesn't know you have never listened to the podcast or anything. And they just happen upon this book. That may be the open door that they need God uh, giving them an opportunity to say, look, you can, you can come out of those ashes and you can, you don't have to be a product of your environment. Uh, and so if there's one thing that I could really highlight and drive home here in this podcast episode is, uh, the fact that you and I both and many others are living testimonies that you don't have to stay down. You don't have to live in anger. You don't have to be a victim of your emotions. You can manage them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious, how's your relationship with your father now? Much, much better. He left when I was two years old. Uh, he was gone uh, in, for 10 years, came back into my life when I was 12 um, and moved me from, uh, took me from my mother and got custody of me, um, and I hated him at the time. It, it was very toxic, um, almost to the to the point of fist fighting. Um, and and I I would write letters to my mother, and and I, I swore up and down as soon as I turn eighteen years old, I'm I'm coming back to Georgia. Uh, he moved me up here to Virginia, and and so I hated him for all those years. But um, I, I realized, of course, God stepped in. Uh, onto the scene between the ages of 12 and 18. And by the time that I turned 18, I realized that he had uh, extracted me from a, a toxic environment. And of course he had, he had wasted the first, the last 10 years. He wasn't there. Um, but I, I, I do think that he extracted me. And when I realized he wasn't doing this to hurt me, he actually saved me. Uh, he and and so God used a man who I hated all these years to to pull me out of a toxic environment. When I realized that, and God showed that to me, then my relationship with him got a lot better. And and so now it's it's as if you know all the hurt, all the wounds, they're they're healed. All all the unforgiveness is forgiven. And so I have a great relationship with him now. Thank God. Um, and mm-hmm. and by the time I turned eighteen, I I, I realized there's nothing to go back to because if I go back, I know what's going to happen. I will return and I'll, I'll be just like my brothers, just like my friends growing up. Um, and so you can come out of it. Yeah. So you are to your listening audience, you are a living testimony how in the nine levels of relationship, you had this relationship with your father that was started out good, but then it went bad. Mm -hmm. It became toxic, mm. but yet you contained it, cleansed the toxins out of it, and today you've got a great relationship yeah. with your father. It's yeah. healed, yeah. and now you've got it back in the right category uh, from toxic level nine mm. up to level three or level two or mm-hmm. whatever. It's mm-hmm. a good relationship. Yeah. yeah, it works. It really does work. Sure does. It really does. You ought to write a book. <laughs> yeah, I probably, I probably could. Uh, I don't know if anybody would buy it though. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'll just stick to podcasting for right now and I'll interview, uh, great authors like yourself. Um, but thank you. Let me, let me say thank you very much. Uh, I know that you are very busy. Uh, you've got a lot on your plate there. Um, in urban Texas, uh, God is doing great things there. So I've heard and, and, and we're excited. Yes, and so uh, I thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and to share um, some of your wisdom. Um, we don't take it lightly. I think it's going to help many, many people, and we're, we're eternally grateful for it.
Well, if we could, uh, just let your listening audience know if they'd like a copy of Control the Beast, all they've got to do is go to Amazon.com, do a search, Control the Beast, Ed Snyder, and it'll pop. Amen. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I will promote the book. Um, I have on my social media accounts promoted it, and I will continue to. Uh, and Thank also, you. let me... Uh, throw one more plug in for your podcast, which is an incredible podcast, can, uh, True North Nation podcast. Look it up. Subscribe to it. You will be blessed. Um, and also, uh, we're going to be checking in on Solid Rock Church in Irving, Texas. I, I hear that God's doing great things. Why don't you tell the people who may be in that area? We've got listeners in the state of Texas. Uh, tell them uh, as we close a little bit about what God's doing there in Irving. Well, we are excited about what God is doing through Solid Rock Church. We are growing. Uh, God is filling people with the Holy Ghost. We got two more to baptize. Uh, in fact, the folks that we're getting ready to baptize has cleaned out their garage and is going to convert their garage to a place to do Bible studies in their neighborhood. Praise so we're, God. We're organizing our church to go to their neighborhood at the last Saturday of October. We're going to do a prayer walk. Mm through their neighborhood, and then pass out flyers. And, I, of course, they're new converts, so I'm going to be there mm-hmm. every Saturday. And uh, Sister Amy's going to teach the Bible study, and I'll be there to support her and her husband and back them up. And uh, it's just great things like that is happening. We have just uh, we filled our last location in downtown Irving. And uh, I was, as I was sharing with you, Brother Teal, before the interview, as I was planning a move at the end of the year, mm. And uh, our property that we were leasing sold, and it's being turned into a restaurant. And so we are now at a bigger location, complete built out. So we're at 2201 Parkside Avenue in Suite 165 uh, here in Irving. And so love for you to come out. We've got plenty of room now uh, to worship. We've got a great praise team. It's all good. Come come and, and worship Jesus with us. Praise God. Well, thank you again. Pastor Snyder, for joining us on the Disciples Dialogue. We have truly been blessed by your ministry and by your book, and we cannot wait for the opportunity to speak with you again. Thank you very much. I look forward to it as well. Amen. God bless all the listeners. We will be talking to you soon. Until next time, be blessed.